One day a man came up to me and asked, Father, do you have a minute? And I said, yes. And over the following hour and many months thereafter, he shared the story of his marriage. He was convinced that he had found the perfect woman to go through life with. He courted her, said that he gave her whatever she wanted, tried to provide a nice home for her. He thought things were going pretty darn well. Five years after they were married, he came home from work and he found a note on the kitchen counter. She left him to be with her lover. He was filled with rage. Now, there are, of course, always two sides to such a story. And as I listened, I was attentive not only to the details of the relationship that he provided, but to a glaring absence, the absence that the role of his faith played. He was raised in the Catholic Church, but like so many Catholics, he never allowed his faith in Jesus to go any deeper than simply going with the flow. Nothing beyond the externals of worship. He confined the gift of faith to Christmas, Easter, the occasional holy day. It was not a dynamic power that he and his wife could use to help direct their lives. He began to see that by ignoring his relationship with Jesus, he had wandered further and further away from the truth. All he had left was himself. And in the end, that isn't very much at all for any human being. Jesus makes a shocking statement in today's gospel. If anyone comes to me without what? Hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. The word hate is a deliberately exaggerated Semitic expression designed to alert the hearer that one must be prepared to make an ultimate commitment to Jesus. And as he tells us, we had darn well better calculate what the cost of discipleship is going to be. All other relationships as wonderful as they are, will only find their ultimate fulfillment, their ultimate joy, their ultimate purpose when one's relationship with Jesus is primary. But that raises the obvious question. Why is that? Seeing our most rewarding relationships, spouses, parents, children, friends, colleagues, 
through the prism of our relationship with Jesus brings us to a reality that this world does not empower us to see. That through Jesus, every relationship is gift. The spouse is gift. A brother is a gift. A sister is a gift. A friend is a gift. A colleague is a gift. A mentor is a gift. It is a blessing, and we may only have it for a short time. And through Jesus, it has the potential to become an avenue for so many blessings to enter our lives and even the world. We see this dynamic played out in one of the most unequal relationships imaginable in our reading from St. Paul's letter to Philemon. Now, Philemon's name means affectionate. He was one of Paul's converts. Philemon had a slave named Onesimus, which means useful. Onesimus chose to make a run for freedom, abandoning his owner in Colossae and headed for Paul, who was under arrest in Rome. An escaped slave faced immediate execution if caught. Anyone had the authority to kill an escaped slave, even another slave. Anyone who harbored or assisted an escaped slave would be in deep trouble. And Paul was already awaiting trial. So this was the last thing Paul needed. Slaves had no legal status under Roman law. They were not even considered persons, but things to be used or disposed of at any time by any manner as the owner chose. Paul did not intend to openly challenge slavery, but he did pull at the threads of this perverted institution. How? By getting believers to think differently about their relationships with others through what? their relationship with Jesus. He challenged Philemon to rise to a higher spiritual and moral level by looking at Onesimus not from the perspective of empire, the world, or social convention, but from the perspective of what does it mean for me to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul asked Philemon to see Onesimus as more than a slave, a what? Brother. If Philemon regarded his relationship with Paul through Jesus to be important, then he was asked to welcome Onesimus back as he would welcome Paul himself. This was asking Philemon to stick his neck out, and most of us do not like doing that. He was asking Philemon to go against the grain of the accepted social order of the day. Again, something most of us do not like to do. And there could be serious consequences. And Paul certainly asked a lot of Onesimus. Both knew that the moment Onesimus returned to his owner, he faced the likelihood of a horrible beating at the very least. And possibly a long and painful death 
as an example to the other household slaves. Just 130 years earlier, Rome was brought to her knees by a slave uprising led by a gladiator by the name of Spartacus. This was around 70, 72 BC. And the Roman aristocracy never forgot it. And any sign of rebellion by a slave was ruthlessly crushed. We do not know what happened to either Philemon or to Onesimus. That's what I find so frustrating about the scriptures. They never tell us what the conclusion was. In the Eastern Church, however, the Eastern Church is in communion with Rome and in the Orthodox churches. There's a very ancient tradition, I think a perfectly valid one, that holds that Philemon did as Paul asked. And through that experience allowed his relationship with Jesus to receive Onesimus as a brother, to rise above the values of his time and no longer see Onesimus as a slave. Later, Philemon was consecrated a bishop of Colossae and suffered martyrdom. And Onesimus, according to the same tradition, he saw his former owner no longer as his owner, as his master, but as a brother in the Lord Jesus. And Onesimus became bishop of Ephesus, as mentioned in the historical record by St. Ignatius of Antioch the slave owner and the slave, reconciled as brothers in Jesus, contrary to everything the world would think as normal. They allowed their relationship with Jesus to see each other in ways that transcended the limitations that the world was trying to impose upon them. And together, they became servants of Jesus and his church. What the world thought about those men, what the world expected of them became irrelevant, meaningless. It was what their relationship with Jesus did to help them see each other as the Lord saw them, and that made all the difference. And what was true for them has been true for millions since then. And it can be true for each of us if we have the courage to allow it.